Welcome to the Must Love Self Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I'm your host. Every week, I get to interview a beautiful, courageous, strong woman who is willing to share her ugly and beautiful with the world. Must Love Self is a podcast, a movement, and a decision. It is about women lifting other women up, women holding each other women accountable, and women finding their way along this path. I hope you enjoy. La, 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 la. I have the reason why there is must love self is because of the woman we're about to meet today. This is Ruchi Koval. Ruchi, hello. Hey, Carly. Tell us who you are, what you do, how the world needs to know you. <laughs> okay, first of all, I love you. I, just I love you to too. Say that right at the beginning. Um, who am I? I am a woman. I am a Jew. I am an educator. I am a wife. I am a mom. I am a daughter, I am a friend, I am a human being. <sighs> what do I do? Life circumstances propelled me into the world of Jewish education, which was totally not my plan. In fact, everyone kept telling me when I was growing up to be a teacher. And I was like, that's really lame. I think I'm going to be a music therapist. <laughs> okay, so, you know, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. So here I am, I'm a teacher. Um, I teach mostly adults, but also teens. Um, I teach about self-improvement. I teach about Jewish spirituality. Um, I teach about character refinement. I write, I blog, I vlog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I run trips to Israel. I connect with people and that's what I do. She does so much more, but we don't have enough time to, to say it all. So, but at the end, <laughs> we're going to talk about where everyone can find who you are and all your stuff and all your good judge. So before we even start, I want everyone to understand why it's so important that Rookie's on here, besides the fact that I love her as well. We were doing an awesome speaking event through the Maltz Museum in Cleveland, which centered around my story with RBG, which is just like, you know, no one can see me. But I'm like, you know, I'm praising that, just that opportunity. And when I found out that Rookie was going to be the MC for the event and we were going to be discussing my memoir, I was so, I was humbled, but when we walked away from that, I felt this responsibility and this whisper that when I woke up the next morning, I woke up like shot up out of bed and I was like, must love self. And it was because of you in our discussion that it was so clear. This is what is the conversation that is so important that we need to have as women. I, I could not agree more. And I know that that was a theme that we landed on when we were talking about your memoir. But I don't know if you know this. I've also been really, really passionate about this topic for the past several years because I, I stumbled upon something called intuitive eating. And I've been reading, you know, all about it and, and really practicing it for several, several years. So we're kind of intersecting in this journey as we have been intersecting in many of her journeys. We are. And I have to tell you that I'm getting the opportunity and privilege to interview so many women and intuitive eating seems to be the, the area where a lot of women who have struggled find themselves in the most authentic place. So we'll get to that. One question I want to ask you is why did you say yes to this conversation? Well, mostly because I love you. Um, but 
really, truly, I mean, I, as you are, I'm, I'm a mom, I'm busy. I, I, I really have to prioritize my time. And the reason I said yes to this is because this topic of women being so, A, being so harsh toward themselves. And I was listening earlier today, as I told you to your conversation with your grandma on one of your previous episodes, this like inner critic, this voice we tell ourselves and how like she wouldn't stand up for herself. She would only stand up for her kids and grandkids. So I think that there is such an, like, I'm sorry to use this triggering word, but there's an epidemic out there of women doing this to themselves. This concept of loving yourself and like, again, through the Jewish lens, because that's the lens through which I look at the world, self-love is like axiomatic to everything. Because like one of the main religious themes that we talk about is love your neighbor as yourself. So it's, well, you clearly you have to love yourself because if you hate yourself and then you love your neighbor as yourself, how can you love your neighbor as yourself if you hate yourself? So it's so axiomatic to Judaism and Judaism teaches about how every human being on the planet is created in the image of God. So this message is so critical. I'm so excited to dig into this with you. One of the speakers that you had at an event I went to said that God has a picture of each of us on God's refrigerator. And I loved that idea that we're God's favorite. And yeah. this concept and right? comes from Anne Lamott, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, good to know. But this concept that we're enough and there's nothing wrong with you as you are. That's really what keeps coming up again and again. I want to just go through the basics with you. Will you mind telling us how old you are? 46. Have you ever cared about your age? You know, when I was like older, younger, like when I, when I started getting into my mid twenties, I was bothered by my age, but then I made a conscious decision. And this is a theme you're going to keep hearing from me. My dad died when I, when he was 30 and I was six. And at some point, I don't even remember what sparked it. I made a conscious decision that I will never complain about my age, that getting old is, is a privilege and an honor. And that, and, and I also started noticing that a lot of women were, were youth obsessed and it really, really rankled for me, you know, so it started bothering me. And then I kind of like fought back hard. And now I'm like, I always tell people how old I am. I have no problem with it. It's like, it's like, it's a badge of honor. And also again, to bring Judaism into this, Judaism teaches that the older a person is, the more wisdom they have. And that we're obligated to respect those who are older than ourselves, even if they don't have wisdom, simply because they've been on the planet for longer. That was one of the things I kept thinking about when you were talking to your grandma and, you know, almost a crusade of mine now. I love that so much. And I feel the same way, as you know, from my story, I tried taking my own life at 19. So for me, every year I get to live, I'm like, bonus. But then when I listen to option B, Cheryl Sandberg, who lost yeah. her husband tragically, and she said, her friends would complain when they were turning 47. And she said, how dare you? My husband never, ever, ever gets to have another birthday. And your father's story, you know, I love that you said it's a conscious decision. When I talk to women who are struggling with that inner critic, they say, how do I do this? And I said, it's a decision. You have to decide and then you have to take all the action based yeah. upon that decision. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you if you wouldn't mind, we're going to rate yourself. And this is just a rating of number one is I'm really unkind to myself. My inner critic is not nice. And 10 is I love the way I talk to myself in these three areas. What would you rate your own image of your body? Should I use the like instinctive default voice or should I use the new voice that I've taught myself to use? No, I want to hear both. Okay. 
Um, so I would say, wait, sorry, could you repeat the question? Yeah, I love you so much. So <laughs> what do you think of your own body image? Like what okay. would you give yourself about how you talk to your brain about your body? Okay. So I would say that every now and then the like inner monster comes out, like the the like the default me and and I would say it's at about a two or a three. It's that's the, the mean voice. Correct. Okay. And what is the one that is trying really, really hard to love yourself as you are? Okay. So then then my evolved voice. Yeah, I like that hard. word. Yeah. And my evolved voice is I, I would say at a at a nine. Awesome. Will you share with us, if you don't mind, when your inner monster voice comes in? What is it saying to you? Like, what are some of the mean things it says? It says, what's the matter with you? You've really let yourself go. Or other people don't have that flaw, but somehow you do. If you look like this when you're 46, what are you going to look like when you're 70? It's very judgy. Ugh. It's judgy McJudgstein. <laughs> okay, ready for your worth? I think I know this one, but what, and I love that you're just sharing these two voices because that's awesome. What would you give your rating of your own ability to know your worth in all situations? I would say, I would say that's pretty good. That's like a nine. That's awesome. And hey. I have to, I have to chime in and just jump in and say, like, I give my mother so much credit for that. And honestly, my grandmother too. My mother and my grandmother were two very formative people in my life, but my mother never, and I know a lot of my friends' mothers did, never made comments about my body, never made comments about like, just like the opposite of critical. And, and my grandmother like times that by a hundred. So I grew up in a very, and I'm so, I acknowledge how blessed I am and I, and I never take this for granted. I grew up in a very like loving and supportive and a very nurturing cradle, so to speak. And so that, so I, I, I do say, oh, I'm, 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 thank God. I'm so happy with who I am. <laughs> Did they ever talk unkind about themselves in front of you? No. Where's that judgy voice from? Do you think? Society. Mm. You know, Ruhi said she's a mother, but she didn't mention that she has seven kids. I always joke with you about this. I have three and Desmond is like having 14. So I really have 16. But even when with my 16, I'm like, she has this entire set I have plus an entire duplicate of this set plus an extra one. Oh, thank so God. I have a question because I don't want to forget this. Because of the nurturing environment you grew up in and where you are today, but also knowing that you have that inner voice that can give you a two or three, how have you consciously raised your children to not have that judgy voice? Right. Well, first of all, I never, ever speak that voice out loud. I, I keep it in my head because I know that it's a lie. It's a lying voice. And so I don't want to give it any bigger of a platform than it already has. And I, I, I don't want that for my boys or my, or my girls. You right. know, we have, we have, thank God, four daughters and three sons. And a lot of people are like, oh, I would never hear my, let my daughters hear me say that. But it's just as important for, for boys. I mean, you have three boys. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because they care too. They totally care. And also their mother is going to be the template for how they look at women, how they treat women sometimes. So so that and, and also like since the time the kids were little, I've been – careful. Not, not that I don't compliment them on their looks. I do because I'm, I'm a woman. I like it when people compliment me on my looks, but not to tie their value to their looks and to make sure to give all kinds of compliments, compliments about their minds, about their accomplishments, about their efforts, about their hard work on their character. So, you know, making sure that they know that we're, we're a whole composite of many things. We're not just our bodies. I love that so much. And I've, I've witnessed you doing that. And I find it to be one of the, my favorite things about you. My last question for you in terms of rating is 
what would you give yourself in terms of your own ability to use your voice to advocate for yourself? Okay. So this is also a voice that has evolved. (laughs) Um, I got married very young. I was only 19 years old when I got married. And so I wasn't, I never lived on my own. I was never this single independent woman. I went from my parents' home to my husband's home. I'm a pleaser, like a lot of us are. And so I've taught myself to advocate. And I, what you said in your interview with your grandma is that if you say things in a kind and respectful way, and, I, and this is my mantra now, you can literally say anything. And now I have, I have emerged in my family as like the one who can say anything to anybody because I'll say it in a nice way. But the truth is that it still takes some guts. I would say that how I would rate myself right now is probably at an eight. I love that you said guts because, for example, I knew that I had to clear some things from my plate because I'm not physically feeling great and I'm really struggling in certain areas. And so what I know from my work that I do is that when there's too much, it feels like my plate, like I'm at a buffet and it's like one of those paper plates that like is getting moist and like you don't want to like to to break. So I have to take some things off. Like Sarah's like, what can you take off your plate? And so I knew that I knew like there's it was a fact, black and white. I needed to take a specific situation off my plate. It was totally the right thing to do. I knew that what I was going to say was not something that you could even argue with the way I was going to present it. It was going to be kind and honest, but I was still it took guts for me to get to a place where I was like, just do it like, you know, you need to do this. And it's because I don't like to be someone who can't do something when they said they could do it. Mm. Okay. It's not even about pleasing that person anymore. It's about for myself. I right. said I could do this. And so like, that's my worth stuff, which is you can't do as much stuff as you thought you could do. And I don't like that. That's, right. that's human. And like, who wants to be human? Right. I think the word I was looking for before was affirming that I grew mm. up in a very affirming home. And I think that that's one of the reasons that I've been able to overcome some societal obstacles to find a more evolved voice because Deep in my kishkas, there is this very affirming voice that I'm valuable, that I'm worthy, that I'm intelligent, and and I can go back to that pot and draw from it. I love that so much. Because you already spoke about the house you grew up in, I want to ask, since we have the privilege of being with someone who is in America, but in a very different culture because you're Orthodox, and while there are definitely societal norms around you, the way that women dress, the way that women behave, mm-hmm. I feel is very different. We live in the same area, but mm-hmm. what you do and what I do or what I wear and what you wear or the traditions are so different. Can you share how that's been for you? Because at least where I'm coming from, because I'm Jewish as well, obviously, there seem to be a lot of rules for women in Judaism that like I don't agree with as like someone who's like, no, I can do everything. Um, how has that been for you? Has there ever been a struggle with that? Or has it just been something you've accepted and have embraced? Like, how has that been for you? Yeah. So I'll just say for the, you know, for the purpose of those who are, who are listening right now, for example, I'm wearing a headscarf that covers all my hair. I'm wearing long sleeves. It was like 75 degrees outside. I only wear skirts and dresses, not pants. And that's how I dress every day. That's how I was raised. So um, I would say that to answer that question, I've had three phases in my life. So phase one, I was younger. I was raised this way. I didn't question it. All my friends dressed that way. All my cousins dressed that way. It it wasn't an issue. That's just what you do. Then you hit puberty. (laughs) And and then you're like, wait, what? Why? Excuse me. (laughs) Like, you know, I see the TV. I see movies. Like, 
I, I go outside and see people like, why do I have to dress this way? And, you know, sort of like, why do people get to make rules about what I'm going to wear? And wouldn't I look cute in a pair of leggings and a tank top, you know? Um, so that, that was stage two. Um, stage Wait, pause. Three. I have a question. When you were having that stage, how did your family respond? Did they just let you talk? Like, did so you, it was very did you rebel? Common. So no, I didn't rebel because I was a pleaser. Remember? Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of my friends, like, I mean, that's very standard for Orthodox Jewish girl in like seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th grade, very standard. So we would all talk, you know, we would be like, if I didn't have to follow these rules, this was, this is what I would wear. And this is what I would wear. And, you know, we would go to the department store and try on prom dresses and, you know, like turn around and say, oh, aren't I cute? Aren't I cute? So we, we had our little, you know, outlets. And, and I have to say that there are some fully grown Orthodox women who still struggle with this stuff for a variety of reasons. And I'm not here to judge their journey. We're all you know, at a different place with this. I'm not saying, oh, that's an immature thing and then you're going to grow out of it. No, that's a legitimate chafing and some people really struggle, especially people who have, you know, body image issues or who have who have been given a very like rough form of Judaism or, you know, a very patriarchal kind of upbringing. There's lots of reasons. Now here I am, I'm a Jewish educator. And, and to be honest, it wasn't until I started teaching, even though I lived it my whole life, that I started really having to dig deep into the reasons behind it. And also... I'm 46. My body isn't as cute as it used to be. I just don't have the same temptations that I used to have. At this point, I'm happy that I cover my hair. At this point, I'm happy that I cover my body. Look, you know, that could be confirmation bias. It could be that if I wouldn't, I would look at somebody like me and be like, wow, she looks really, you know, stifled or whatever. But I mean, that is really how I feel right now. I feel like the way I dress is a boundary between me and the world. Um, not that people can't objectify me if they still want to, that's on them. Wait, I want you to stop there. That's so interesting. A boundary for what? A boundary for people to not objectify me. I, I just feel like when I walk around with this like headscarf on my head, for example, I'm like telling people loud and clear, like I'm a religious person and therefore I have certain standards and therefore it's a message. I've know? never, ever, ever thought of it like that, which is why I love you and why I want to talk to you forever because I've been around Orthodox. I've been around way firmer than you, like Hasidic from like, I've been right. to Borough Park my whole life. Well, and family originally. From yeah. I mean, like we, we have family in Borough Park and I would go to like the bub of a rabbi's wedding. Oh, and yes. I was looked that's, at that's as way a non-Jew, right? Like you're like <laughs> Christian. Like, so, but when I hear this reason, because when I, I was like in the teenage self of like, this is not fair. Why should you have to tell anyone what to do? But when you just said that about not feeling objectified, it's not something that we talk about enough, but as a woman, it's really uncomfortable to feel that way, to walk in parking lots and to feel like at any moment I'm going to be attacked because of how I look. And I never, ever considered it, that it almost helps you feel protected. It does. It does help me feel protected. Um, and I, I do have to say that there are Orthodox women who are harassed and assaulted. So I don't want of course. to be like, oh, if you dress this way, then you're, you you're clear. Right. God forbid. I'm not implying that. Um, I am saying that for me, it does feel like a boundary. It feels like a boundary. It feels like a message. Have any of your daughters had any struggles with this without telling their stories? Just like, have they had any struggles? Yeah. I mean, one of my daughters really, really struggled with it. She, she is not Orthodox anymore, but she's very spiritual and she still has a lot, a lot of connections to, to our practices and faith in her own way. 
Um, but she said like one of the first things to go was the dress code. She just couldn't take it. She happens to be a very sensory person and she just could not handle the necklines, the sleeves. She was like, she was losing it, you know? And I'm like, dude, I mean, you do you, you know, you, you, everyone has to find their own way. They're so lucky to have you as a mother. You said something that I wrote down that is one of the best things I've heard in a really long time. I'm not here to judge your journey. Hmm. I love that so much. Partly because, you know, you talk about like, we talked a lot about society giving us messages about what we look like, right? And and I think one of those messages, which perhaps doesn't come up so often on this podcast, is um, I, I have sometimes felt judged for dressing religious because some women, especially evolved progressive women, might feel like the way I dress is like kind of setting us back. You know, here we've come so far, feminism, and you don't have to dress this way. And, and I'm dressing this way because I want to, because I've chosen to, even though I was raised with it and it is my societal norm. I would never just, first of all, I would never want someone to think that because I dress the way I do, because I present my physical body the way I do, that I'm judging anyone who doesn't, A, and B, which I think is sometimes a perceived bias. Um, and number two, I wouldn't want anyone to judge me and make assumptions about me or my intellect or my my power of agency because I dress the way I dress. I'm so grateful you brought that up. So first of all, I am really experiencing over and over and over this, this moment because of we're having these conversations. We just have to stop judging each other. Oh my goodness. Yes. Are you kidding me? Like stop telling your friend what you think about what she's wearing or what she's doing or how she looks today or what she used to look like. And now what she looks like today or what she is deciding to do in her marriage or whether she's deciding to have a baby or what she's doing in her career. Stop talking about each other. Like yeah. we need to spend our energy and time doing so many more important things, helping people, discussing all the injustices to figuring out what we can do together as a group. And if we could just stop, I was at a coffee shop the other day and I heard two women who were in their late twenties for 15 minutes talking about how much they ate that week and how much they exercised and judging themselves out loud about it. And I'm just like, do you know that people are being murdered all over the place right now? Like I wanted, I had to shut up. I didn't say anything, but like, I, I just, I was like, this is the reason why we're having these conversations because we have to stop the fact that you should ever feel judged for the choices that you get to make. And same with me. I mean, I've been judged out loud a lot by family, by friends, by outside people. And I get to do the inner work. You know, I'm going to swear in front of my favorite rookie, which is there's a sign in my house <laughs> with glitter and everything. And it says, behold, the fields in which I grow my fucks, lay thine eyes upon it and see that it is barren. And it's one of my favorite because I can't grow them anymore. Like I went to the doctor and they said, I'm full of ulcers, like literally, like it's like a plague. And it's because there's too much stuff that doesn't matter. I love that you brought this up and that you talked about feminism. I never want a woman to feel judged for how they might be perceived. You are your own journey and no one gets to say anything about it. Right. I mean, yes, full stop. I want to ask you to talk about your quotation and also maybe give us a little bit behind it. Do you remember what you said or do you want me to read it to you? I said that your body is the container for your soul. Tell us why. So a lot of people, men and women, define themselves by their bodies, right? Women are stereotypically supposed to be thin and slight. Oh, also muscular and strong. We're supposed to have blonde, naturally straight hair. We're supposed to have long, dark, 
curly eyelashes. We're supposed to have defined eyebrows. We're supposed to have full dark lips. We're supposed to have flawless skin. Men are supposed to be built, tall, strong, toned, lots of hair in the right places and not in the wrong places. I mean, we're insane. And we do define ourselves by our bodies. I mean, look, I, I bring this up sometimes. I have blue eyes. People very often comment on my blue eyes. I happen to be wearing a blue headscarf because it brings out my blue eyes. You know, people are like, oh my gosh, your scarf looks amazing with your eyes. And I'm thinking, oh, that's why I wore it. <laughs> so we play into this dynamic where we're defined by our bodies. We're affirmed by our bodies. We're known by our hair, eyes, legs, fill in the blank. But that is so not true. We are not our bodies. And we say, when we say the word me, we're talking about our bodies. I'm so fat. I'm so flabby. That's me. That's your body that you're judging, right? But really what you are is you are your soul. Your soul is the seat of your feelings, your desires, your drives, your ambitions, your choices, your struggles, your memories, your loves. That's your soul. And like, because it's so much harder to get to know someone else's soul than their body. You meet somebody, you look at them, bam, in two seconds, you know their body. You see them, you see exactly what they look like. So it's so easy to try to summarize a person by their body. It takes a long time to get to know someone's soul. And here we have social media. You're looking at social media. We're such an image conscious society, you know, or celebrities on TV. Where, what do you know about that person? Nothing. You know about the false character that they're inhabiting in that show or in that movie. And yes, you know their body. To get to know someone's soul, it can take years. What about to get to know our own soul? Mm. That can also take years. Because we have all these foreign messages from our parents, grandparents, people, friends, society. The first thing we have to know is get to know our souls. And then we have to say, I am my soul. My body is just a container to move my soul around this universe so that I can do the things I need to do while I am on this planet. But the me, that's my soul. Mm. And I have to be grateful to my body. My mm. body has done so much for me, completely regardless of what it looks like, right? My body, my body has, has given me so many wonderful moments and memories and has allowed me to walk outside in the fresh air and hug somebody that I love and taste some delicious food. I'm so grateful to my body. I love that so much. I, I just, I've always believed that concept that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. Yep. My problem is I forget every single day. Yep. And when you said soul, it just reminded me that I just don't want to spend so much time caring about the container. I want to care about what's inside of it. Yes. And here's the other thing. Like when you asked me about my age, you are going to reach your peak physical performance. What? I mean, 18, right? 25. I don't know what the number is, but for most of your life, if you are blessed to live a long, happy life or even a long, unhappy life <laughs> for most of your life, you're on the decline. So what are you going to do? Spend most of your life being sad about that. But see, again, if, if you say, I am my soul, well, what we said before is that the older you get, the wiser you get, the more experienced you get, if, if, if you know you're working it, right? While your body is on a decline, your soul is ascending. We need to be spending so much more time talking to each other's souls. Yes. So much more time. Are you ready for lightning round? Yes. Here we go. What would your 80-year-old rookie say to you today? Don't worry so much about what other people think. Listen to your gut. 
Hmm. Listen to your soul. Without getting too deep into it, what would you say has been the lowest point of your life so far? When I was 27 years old and I realized that I was only going to be gaining more weight and not. What would you say to her from the rookie you are today? Let it go. Hmm. That's not what's important. You're fighting a losing battle. Stop it. Embrace it. What does it mean to be beautiful? There's a Hebrew word called chen. Um, It's translated as grace, but it really means that your soul shines out through your face. That's beauty. What does it mean to be a strong woman? A strong woman is a woman who knows her worth. A strong woman is a woman who is unafraid to do what's right, even if she'll be judged, and who's unafraid to love people fiercely, even if she has to give up certain things for it. I love that so much. What would you like others to say about you? I want people to say about me that I made this world a happier place than before. Can I tell you something? Sure. That's my favorite question to ask. And there's not been one woman that has said that they wanted other people to say how great her body looked. Yeah. But all we do is focus on that or how much she accomplished ever. No one's ever said those things. All they've talked about is how they make other people feel. Last two, if you find out you only have six months left to live, what would you want to do with the rest of the time? Oh, I heard you ask this to your grandmother today, and I was like, how am I going to answer this question? (laughs) There's so much to do in this lifetime. I mean, I want to spend time by myself figuring stuff out. I want to spend time with my loved ones. I want to run around the world doing good things, but I also just want to stay home and hug up my people. I don't know. I'll tell you what I don't want to do. I don't want to (laughs) fetch. I don't want to sleep. And I don't want to regret anything. I have a question based on what you said. Where would you like to go by yourself? Or is it not a where? Is it just a time? I could go anywhere by myself. To to me, at this point in my life, the greatest present you could give me is time alone. What is it going to take? No, I do do that sometimes. But I'm just saying, like, I never would have thought that that was what I would want when I was 46. (laughs) Preferably outdoors. When you're alone, is that when you feel connected and you get kind of untangle things yes me too last words you get one piece of advice for every woman that's listening what do you want to tell them if you're on this planet it's because you have a purpose and if that purpose could have been accomplished by anybody else you wouldn't be here stop trying to worry about other people or how you measure up because only you can do what you can do i love that so much will you tell everybody what your podcasts are and your books and where we can find you. Absolutely. So my podcast, if you search my name, Ruchi Koval, wherever you get your podcasts, you'll find two of them. One of them is a weekly class on character improvement. One of them is called the book of life through momentum. And it's a 10 minute thought. I love it. I'm like, when are you getting more out? I've listened to all of them. May 13th starts the second season. My blog, which if you Google my name, you'll you'll find my blog. It's called outoftheorthobox.com. Um, my book is called Conversations with God, Prayers for Jewish Women, but they can also be prayers for Jewish men and also prayers for any human. <laughs> and my second book is called Soul Construction, and it's coming out soon. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, Carly, I loved this. I could literally talk to you forever. I feel the same way. We would never run out of things. I know. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you are willing to rate, review, and share with your people, it makes such a difference for others to find it. And if you wanted to check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, it's available on Amazon. 
as an audiobook with me narrating, a paperback, and digital. I promise you, you will love it. Have an awesome day. And one more thing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. La, 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 la,